folks, and welcome to Christ in Every Word, a podcast of the Concordia Bible Institute housed on the beautiful campus of Concordia University, Wisconsin. This is your opportunity to read, mark, learn, and inwardly digest the sacred scriptures with me, Dr. Brian German, Associate Professor of Theology here at the University and the Director of the Concordia Bible Institute. We are cruising through the book of Genesis. Christianity in Genesis is the title for this series. Where do we see the person and work of Christ in this first book of the Bible? And by extension, where is our life in him as Christians, uh, as head to the body, many members, and so on? Where is Christianity? And this is just a fascinating text. We've been through quite a bit already. Chapter 15 is on the docket today. And my big point in all of these chapters is that these are not just what historical reportage or ancient Near Eastern artifacts, these are constitutive. These texts tell us what the Christian faith, the Christian church, Christianity is all about. And we're going to see that again here in chapter 15 when God's covenant with Abram is confirmed, I guess you could say. This is the thing about God's covenant. We've seen this a little bit. God makes a covenant. So chapter 12, think, for example, God calls Abram and says, uh, Abe, I'll you know, leave your land and, and your family, and I'll give you land and make your name great and make a great nation out of you, and in you all the families of the earth will be blessed. That's a great covenant. And then even in that same passage, only a few verses later, he gets all the way down there, and it's Oh, by the way, to your offspring, I'll give this land. Well, hey, I thought the first thing you said was to this, uh, you're going to give me some land. What about me? He gets all the way down there and to your offspring, I'll give this land. And then, you know, you get a little bit farther and and uh, here in chapter 15, we'll hear a little bit more about this covenant. This is the the nature of how this works. God gives a promise. And just when you think you've got it all figured out and you know the full extent of what he's promising, there's always more. Always greater stuff. It never was. Same with Moses, too. Moses, you know, hey, you're going to have a promised land, right? He gets all the way there, and he's allowed to see it, but he can't go over. Now, of everybody in that whole company, Moses should be the one to go into that promised land, but he doesn't. Um, he dies and uh, and is buried before he goes over there. The whole thing is there was it never was about the physical earthly promised land all along. There was always a greater promised land in store, and that's how the Lord's promises works. Uh, they, they, the promise to Eve, I'll give a descendant. Okay, great. As you move along, whoa, this descendant will also come through Abe. It'll have to do with uh, land and name and nation, people and inheritance and so on. This promise continues to be fleshed out as you go along, and we're going to see the same thing here in chapter 15. Time goes by. We don't know exactly how long between chapter 14 and 15, but it just says after these things. Last time we talked about Melchizedek and this bread and wine, and Abe is not going to entertain the king of Sodom's offer. You know, give me the souls. We talked about that last time. After these things, we don't know how long, but you just got to know after these things, the word of the Lord comes to Abram in a vision. Now, this is another thing, too. The Lord, first time the Lord appears to Abe, it's the first time the Lord appears to anybody in the Bible. It's in chapter 12, and go figure, it's right where the promised land is. 
a well-known tree in the promised land. The Lord appears to Abram uh, with mention of seed or offspring, who is Christ, Paul will tell us in Galatians 3. Go figure, the first time the Lord appears to Abe, it's around this tree, uh, in the context of this tree and this seed, who is Christ, Paul would say. Um, go, go figure then that here also we have another appearance. This is, these are big. This is the, the word of the Lord comes, but it's word plus a visual. And Abe gets more than one of these. And well, what do you see, uh, in the words of Luther? It's, uh, Abe not only hears the word, but the word was represented by a certain likeness of the speaker as in the speaker himself. You could say, what did that speaker look like? Fear not, Abram, I am your shield. Your reward shall be very great. This is the nature of how our Lord works with us. He gives you a promise, and time goes by, and faith wavers, or fear increases, or doubts take over, or whatever the case. The Lord mercifully not only draws us out of darkness into his marvelous light by speaking his word, but he keeps us in the one true faith through his Holy Spirit in conjunction with the word. He keeps speaking the word to us, keeps delivering. This is why we go to church week after week after week, often whenever we have the opportunity, right? Because this is exactly how faith is strengthened. The Lord mercifully comes to him, fear not, Abram, I'm your shield. Your reward shall be very great. Abram says, O Lord God, what will you give me? For I continue childless, and the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus. So Abram thinks You promised me lots of kids. I have a barren wife. We know this from Sarai. Already in chapter 11, she's introduced this way. So I'm getting older. Time has passed. Can't have kids. You've made this promise. I got down to the land. You said it's, well, it's also for the offspring. Okay, so there's more going on here. Still, though, uh, the nation thing, the people thing, I don't have any child. I continue childless. How are you going to fulfill this promise? And the Lord comes to him mercifully, gives him another word. Uh, This, by the way, is the first time that the Lord and Abram have spoken back and forth like this. Usually it's, and God said to Abram, and Abe just goes. Abe has been quiet. He's been submissive. He's just gone along with it. Let it be so. And here we have some back and forth. And this is what I love about this is that there's also this, it presupposes that the word continues to come. This is the Christian faith, that we need this regularly. Talked about that. But also that we're dealing with flesh and blood. We're dealing with honest people. Abe says, how will this be? Much like Mary did. How will this be since I am a virgin? You know, this kind of questioning. Read the Psalms. I had a student tell me once that we're never allowed to question our faith or make or offer questions to God or something like that. Read the Psalms. They're everywhere. Why have you forsaken me? How long, O Lord, will you let me languish like this? Abe asks his own question. How are you going to fulfill this promise? And that's the story of our faith as well. What's the deal here? You've promised to be with me, and I look at my life, and it's a mess. Fulfill your promise for me. Abe says, Behold, you've given me no offspring, and a member of my household will be my heir. Behold, the word of the Lord came to him. This man shall not be your heir. Your very own son shall be your heir. I love this because on the one hand, it's, it's a further word. And it's a conversation with Abe, but the Lord himself is, what, is referring to an earlier word. (laughs) 
he's uh, kind of extending it. He, he's like referring to what I told you in the first place, even as I'm further clarifying it now. It's like the, it's like Jeremiah. He, you know, he gets the initial call. The Lord called him before I, you were in the womb. I knew you and so on. Go speak my word. And about 15 chapters into the book, He's just in a tough spot. He's uh, he's just he's the weeping prophet. Uh, Jeremiah is, and what does the Lord do? He gives him a, another dosage of the exact same word that he gave him years ago. Expands it a little bit, expounds on it, but it it brings to mind the original promise, and that's how our Lord works. He makes one promise: I'll send somebody through Eve to crush the serpent's head. And as it moves along, he gives further words about this promise to his people, regularly speaking to them Sunday in, Sunday out, through the called and ordained preacher of the word. And yet he always reminds us that this is the same word that I've given. It's not forgotten by me. I don't forget my promises to you. I'm not lying to you. I'm fleshing out what I've said to you. This man shall not be your heir. Your very own son shall be your heir. He brought him outside and he says, Look toward the heaven and number the stars. If you are able to number them, so shall your offspring be. And he believed the Lord and the Lord counted it to him as righteousness. Kind of an amazing thing. Why point to the stars? Daniel will talk about the the righteous shining like stars. Revelation, you get this kind of sense with the woman and stars around her head and so on. This is a precious kind of uh, royal, exalted, heavenly kind of offspring. Now, I guess you could point to the, well, you got sand of the sea in some places, or could you just point to the, you know, um, something a bit more earthly, which, you know, will happen in certain ways. But this is the, this is the thing, You're the nature of your offspring here is already being indicated. There's already some sort of, this is like a heavenly kind of offspring. Yeah, we're talking about offspring, flesh and blood people, but look at the stars. We have a righteous offspring, and that's confirmed here um, in this last, or the last verse of the section here. So shall your offspring be. And he believed the Lord, and he counted it to him as righteousness. This is a fascinating verse. It's actually, it's huge for a lot of reasons. Genesis 15, verse 6, it's picked up by the Apostle Paul in Romans quite a bit. Look at chapters 3 and 4, especially chapter 4. Galatians as well. The author of Hebrews. This is a huge verse. This, it's actually the first time in the this this word for believe, it's actually the first word, first time in the Bible we have this word for believe. Literally, amen, that's the Hebrew word, amen, aman, uh, is to, to believe. He believed. And it was counted to him or reckoned to him or considered to him as righteousness. The Lord didn't look at how much money he gave to charity and said, you're a righteous person. He looked at his faith. And he said, you are a righteous person. Yeah, but I'm a poor, miserable sinner. Yes, but by faith, I look at you and and I say, that is a righteous person. Yeah, but I don't feel that righteous. Yeah, but by faith, I see you as righteous. Well, I haven't acted that righteously. <laughs> by faith, uh, I count it to you as righteousness. I reckon you righteous. I see you as righteous. We'll know that this is 
because he looks at us uh, in the by the blood of his son through that lens. Abe believed the Lord counted him as righteousness. This is a, this is just huge for the Christian faith. This is the Christian faith. Abe is a Christian. Abraham is a Christian. This is a paradigm for the Christian faith of all times and places. Abraham believed and the Lord credited to him as righteousness. The very offspring that the Lord just talked about will be credited as righteous in the exact same way. Notice again, all these familiar terms from earlier, like chapter 12, to your offspring, I'll give this thing. He's promised offspring. These are the same, the same word, same promise endures. But the Lord here kind of fleshes it out a little bit more. You will have that offspring I talked about. It'll be like the stars. You can't even number them. Because a true son of Abraham will be one who has faith in Christ and one who has faith in Christ, this is Galatians 3 language, is a true son of Abe and is reckoned to God as righteous, counted as righteousness to the Lord. This conversation between Abe and the Lord will continue. Abe has another question very soon, and the Lord has much more to say, and we'll tackle that right after the break. We'll be right back. We'll be back in just a moment to the Concordia Bible Institute podcast. In the meantime, I'd like to have you consider this question. What is most important in higher education? How do you prioritize all the knowledge to be gained at an institution of higher learning? Concordia University, Wisconsin, located on the shores of Lake Michigan in Mequon, Wisconsin, just north of Milwaukee, is an institution that is committed to excellence in learning, but at the same time realizes that excellence in itself is insufficient without development in vocation. We believe that God works through our vocations, our callings, in order to serve the needs of those around us. The mission statement of Concordia University puts it this way, Concordia University, Wisconsin is a Lutheran higher education community committed to helping students develop in mind, body, and spirit for service to Christ in the church and the world. You can learn more about the over 70 programs offered at Concordia by visiting the website, www.cuw.edu. And if you're benefiting from our Christ in Every Word podcasts, I encourage you to support this ministry by mentioning it to others and by offering your monetary support. Please consider supporting the Concordia Bible Institute by going to our website, www.concordiabible.org, and clicking on the Contribute page. And now, back to the podcast. Alrighty there, folks. We are back with our study of Genesis chapter 15. We've had a little back and forth here between Abram and the Lord. Abram has believed it has been credited to him as righteousness. This is the Christian faith right here, the Christian confession, the Christian reality here, believing and being credited or counted as righteousness. Conversation continues here in verse 7. He said to him, that is the Lord, I am the Lord your God who brought you out from Ur of the Chaldeans to give you this land to possess. Abe says, O Lord God, how am I to know that I shall possess it? He says, Bring me a heifer three years old, a female goat three years old, 
ram three years old, a turtle dove, and a young pigeon. He brought him all these things, cut them in half, laid them each half over against the other, but he did not cut the birds in half. When the birds of prey came down, the carcasses, Abram drove, drove them away. Kind of an awesome scene here. So we're at night. Um, the Lord reminds him, I brought you out of Ur of the Chaldeans to give you this land. Abe didn't do anything to deserve that. I mean, what did we do to deserve the wonderful things that were given to us in the divine service? Word and sacrament, same thing. Uh, so the Lord reminds him of this. I have drawn you out of the chaos of death and destruction and the devil by the waters of baptism. <laughs> Think here as we reflect on the Christian faith. I've drawn you out of this. Look at all the things. I'm not going to just... I've, I've called you out of darkness. I have brought you to my wonderful light. I have kept you in the one true faith. I'm not going to just leave you right now. And Abe has a further question, and so do we as we question the Lord. This is kind of like Gideon too. Can you please just give me a sign? The Lord could just say, no, I have your, here's my word. Um, Abe wants to know, how am I to know that I'm possessing this? And now we have this physical ordeal very tangible, right? We have animals and so on, cut in half. So also in the Christian faith, how am I to know? Well, he points us, we, the Lord works through physical means. Look to this tangible element right in front of you, bread, water, wine. I've promised to dwell in them. So if you might, you know, get a little shaky or doubtful here and there, here's something concrete right in front of you. I've promised to be there. Come again and again to receive both the word uh, and the sacraments. Here for Abe, he gives them this uh, kind of ceremony. We're going to learn elsewhere. Jeremiah references this. Um, I think it's chapter 34. You have this kind of ceremonial feature going on here. This is how a covenant was. I mean, a co- so when a covenant is made, literally a covenant is cut, the Hebrew term. And why are we cutting things? Well, this is to show how serious the agreement is, cut some animals in half, walk through them, and this is like signing the papers for the mortgage. Let me be, if I break this mortgage, if I don't make payments, let me be like these dead animals. Uh, Let me become like them. Hack me up as well. I'll be busted up, broken, divided. If I don't live up to my terms of of this covenant, we're kind of getting ahead of ourselves, but that's what's, What's happening there? Notice we have very sacrificial animals, the heifer, uh, the goat, the ram. I think Genesis 22, you know, sacrifice your son Isaac. The ram is there instead. Um, the goat for the day of atonement, the heifer, all kinds of sin offerings, sacrifices, and so on. This is like the straight out of Leviticus, these animals. Same with the pigeons. The birds, uh, the dove, and a young pigeon. Think of um, uh, 13, chapters 13, 14, leprosy. How are we going to clean this? And the bird's involvement there. The uh, breaking of the bird and and so on. So this is all straight out of Leviticus. This has a very sacrificial. This covenant that I make with you, Abe, these righteous descendants, is going to come at a cost, a sacrificial cost. And yet there's... These birds aren't cut in half. We'll talk about that soon. Again, this is kind of like, it's like Leviticus, where it's sometimes this bird is cut in half, busted up. You need the blood. This other one, do not cut up. 
So this is a very Leviticus kind of thing going on, a price-to-be-paid kind of thing going on. The birds of prey come down on the carcasses. Abe drives them away. Abe protects the nature of this covenantal ceremony that's going on here. Um, Defend it. Speak well of it. Put the best construction on it, Abe. Drive away the wily foe, anything that seeks to destroy this, flesh and blood, principalities, dominions, whatever comes after this. The sun goes down, a deep sleep falls on Abe. Does it sound familiar? Deep sleep sounds like Adam again, doesn't it? This is the nature of our Lord. He acts when we are totally out of it. Why does Abe have to be asleep for this? Right? Why did Adam have to be? Well, because of the pain or whatever. Well, I mean, the thing is, we're not bringing anything to the equation. Dreadful and great darkness fell upon him. Like, he's totally out of it. This is us. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity and sin did my mother conceive me. Out of the depths I've cried to you, O Lord. O Lord, hear my voice. Let your cry be attentive to the voice of my pleas for mercy. It's We're totally... Dreadful and great darkness, sleep. This is when our Lord does the work for Adam's rib. Look, I've I've arranged this marriage. It's not about what you can bring to the equation. Abe's totally out of it. He says, your, sojourn, your people are going to be sojourners in a land that is not theirs. They'll be servants there. They are, they'll be afflicted 400 years. But I'll bring judgment on the nation that they serve. Afterwards, they will come out with great possessions. As for you yourself, you shall go to your fathers in peace. You'll be buried in a good old age. They shall come back here in the fourth generation, for the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet complete. Fascinating little prediction here, I guess you could call it. I'm telling you up front, I've got a master plan. And how can you be sure about this covenant right here, right now? Because I've got this, this is an eternal plan that is unfolding. I already know how this is going to go. I've already arranged for these things to happen. Let me tell you something from the perspective of your future. I've got this whole exodus worked out. They're going to be sojourners there. And through this, I'm going to confirm what this covenant that I'm speaking to you right now, Abe, is all about and how sure this thing is. You want me to unfold some of the future for you, kind of backdate it a little bit, reveal it to you, kind of like the book of Revelation. Let me just show you. Let me just give you. I don't have to do this. My word is good enough. But let me just pull back the curtain a little bit and show you what's going on here. They're holding palm branches and, you know, you're worshiping with these people. They're holding palm branches and clothed in white garments and so on. Abe, you're going to go to your fathers in peace. You'll be buried. I mean, this is eternal life. It's a lot more than just this life. You're going to go to your fathers. It's a great way to notice the language of dying isn't there. You'll go to your fathers in peace. You'll be buried in a good old age. They'll come back here. For the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet complete. This is a fascinating little line. In God's providential care, he knows exactly how long... He's going to bear with the iniquity of the Amorites. That is, all the Canaanites, all the people, you know, you've heard of the conquest, the holy war stuff, the book of Joshua. The Lord dealt with, I mean, one thing, the Lord dealt with that iniquity for an ordained, a preordained period of time. He gave it time. He 
he bore with it for a long time. He gave them many, many opportunities for repentance. And in our Lord's infinite wisdom, he knows when to say enough is enough. Uh, So our Lord is merciful and gracious, but he will by no means clear the guilty. He's not slow, but he's waiting for all to come to repentance. And he knows when uh, his son should return to come in glory and to gather all the those who believed in him for himself. Resurrection of the body, life everlasting, done deal. The iniquity of the Amorites is not yet complete. He knows he has this plan. It will unfold, and all this has to do with how sure this covenant is with aid. The sun goes down, it's dark. A smoking fire pot and a flaming torch pass between these pieces. On that day, the Lord made a covenant with Abram, saying, To your offspring I will give this land. From the river of the Egypt to the great river, the Euphrates, the land of the Kenites, the Kenizzites, the Kadmonites, the Hittites, Perizzites, Rephaims, the uh, Amorites, Canaanites, Girgashites, and Jebusites. Whoa, that's a lot. Big deal here. A smoking pot and a flaming torch. Sound familiar? Pillar of of uh, fire pot by day and a pillar of torch by night. <laughs> Smoking fire, a pillar of cloud by day, a pillar of fire by night. Um, this sounds a lot like passing through the waters, you might say. This pillar of cloud, pillar of fire leading God's people through. On the one hand, you have the walls of water and the other wall of water. Passing through these pieces, passing through the Red Sea. The Lord himself is in that pillar, leading them, guiding them. And the Lord himself is in this sacrificial moment, this covenantal moment with Abe. In a covenant, if you have two equal parties, okay, break a bird in half and walk through it. We'll both walk through it. Abe is totally out. He's asleep. A dreadful and great darkness has fallen upon him. He's he's out of the equation. He's not walking through the pieces, but the Lord himself walks through these pieces uh, in a smoking fire pot and a flaming torch. The Lord himself passes through this. This is a a one-way covenant here. The Lord himself shows how serious he is about this covenant. I'm so serious about this. I'm the one signing the papers. And I'm the one that's so serious about this. I am willing to be busted up, broken, divided, dead for the sake of this promise that I make with you, Abe. And we know how our Lord's going to do this, don't we? By sending his son to bear our sin, all the sacrificial sin offering, right, that you can imagine, and to be our Savior, by his broken body on the tree and by his uh, resurrected body out of the grave, the Lord himself says, I'm so serious about this, serious to death, willing to die for this, and I will when I send my son. And the land that I have for you and for the righteous stars, the stars shining The righteous one shining like the stars in heaven is a land far greater than this earthly Canaan. It is a land with a heavenly Jerusalem 
with a new tree of life and healing for the nations, that is, the tree of the cross and the fruits of his sacrifice, body and blood given for us in the marriage feast of the Lamb and his kingdom that has no end. This is the beauty of our Lord's covenant with Abe. This is the same beauty of the Christian faith. What happens for Abe is what happens for us in Christ. It's one and the same. And that's what makes this chapter such a great picture window into Christianity in Genesis. Great stuff. We'll pick it up with chapter 16 next time. Spread the word, my friends so that they too can learn more about God's Word with us. The mission of the Concordia Bible Institute is to provide Christ-centered Bible instruction from distinguished experts who teach Christ in every word of the Old and New Testaments to strengthen faith and spread belief in the one true God. Again, if you benefit from this podcast series, I encourage you to consider supporting us by going to our website, www.concordiabible.org, and clicking on our Contribute page. Until next time, my friends, I'm Dr. Brian German, wishing you all God's blessings in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.